Well, good morning. Looks like we're also transitioning to a time of snow this week. I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, we had a chance to, to drive through uh, over to East Canyon uh, the last couple days, and we were coming back and seeing all the colors, and then all of a sudden we're like, wait, is that snow? Are we looking at snow? It's pretty exciting. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited about this change of season. Uh, today I want to speak, um, you know, for the last uh, several weeks, Sarah has been speaking a lot out of Ephesians, and we've been talking a lot uh, about our roots uh, being, being grounded in love and asking the Lord to show us the depth and the height and the width uh, and the length of his love. And today I want to, um, I want to talk uh, both about wisdom and I also want to talk about asking. And so today uh, I titled my message, Wisdom, Just Ask. And um, I want us to explore some things um, that I hope will be a root for us, will be something that takes this idea of love and, and gives us a little bit more practical, brings it down to another level. So I want to talk to us this, today about that. Um, there's a passage in Ephesians 1. So we've been in Ephesians. In Ephesians 1, verse 15, Paul is praying and he's talking to the Ephesian people. And he, sa he says this in verse 15. He says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I've not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. One of the things I hope we capture today and we catch today is God's generosity. I don't know if, if you, how you think about God, if you think about God as being stingy, if you think about God as being withholding, if you think about God as being cheap, uh, I don't know how you think about God, but I hope today one of the things that we see as we look at scripture and we look at things and we look at the life of Jesus and we look at wisdom, we see a generosity in God that perhaps we haven't seen before. And this is what Paul's praying for. He's want, I, I want to give, I'm praying that you have spiritual wisdom and insight and that you can grasp and see and understand the riches of our inheritance, the riches that we have available. And we think of inheritance as something we only get when someone dies. Well, guess what? Someone did die. Jesus did die. He's not dead. He rose again. But in that death, he gave us an inheritance. So Paul writes to the Colossians, and he prays the same thing to the people of the Colossian church in, in chapter 2 of Colossians. And he says this in verse one of Colossians two, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan which is Christ himself. In him, which is Christ, 
In him lie all lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I want to just focus on that for a second. In Christ lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, we can sometimes think about wisdom as being like um, sayings, like, you know, if you just Google wisdom sayings, you can get more than you would ever want. Uh, I saw a list of 25 African uh, proverbs. Uh, one said, you don't measure the depth of a river with both feet. Oh, that was a pretty good uh, piece of wisdom, right? Um, we think of um, wisdom, we think of things like that as being kind of abstract things. You tell little kids, don't eat yellow snow, right? And, and it's just like these abstract things uh, or, or these really important facts or these important things for us to know. Paul's making a note here. He's saying, in Christ lies all hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. Crafted arguments that are not founded on the person of Christ. For though I am far away from you, my heart is with you, and I rejoice that you are living as you should, and that your faith in Christ is strong. I love that in, in Christ, uh, the Lord wants to provide for us abundantly. He wants to provide for us wisdom. And that wisdom that he provides for us is, there's tons of wisdom in here. We're going to talk a little bit about this today. Wisdom is found in here. Paul's also making a point that wisdom is found in a person. Wisdom is found in the person of Christ. Because this book can't capture and contain every scenario do I move? Do I change jobs? What do I do about this person? What do I do with these relationships? How do I handle life? How do I raise kids? What school do my kids go to, right? Um, lots of questions that we have in our lives as we live and we live out our lives. And, and, and so we can't write them all down. This is meant for us to get to know the person of Christ, as we know the person of Christ and how the person of Christ lives and moves and has his being in us, we have wisdom and we grow in wisdom. So when you think about wisdom, I just want to um, highlight some things that people, and we're going to talk some about Jesus's words, but the people of Jesus's time, when they thought about wisdom, they thought about Solomon in the Old Testament, the son of David, Solomon, who was considered the wisest person who'd ever lived. And Matthew, in his gospel, he talks a lot about uh, Jesus being the source of high wisdom. This idea that Jesus surpasses Solomon. You see that Matthew records that and Luke records that as well. But let me read to you a little bit about Solomon, this wise king in the Old Testament. This is in 1 Kings 4. This is how Solomon's described. God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the East and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including, and then there's this great list, Ethan the Ezraite, wiser than He-Man, wiser than these other dudes. He was wise, and his fame spread all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and, so, and his songs numbered 1,005. He spoke about plant life, 
from the cedars of Lebanon to the, the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He also spoke about animals and birds and reptiles and fish. From all nations, people came to listen to Solomon's wisdom, sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. Man, Solomon was incredibly wise. And in fact, when you look at the Bible, there are books of wisdom in the Bible attributed to Solomon. Um, the book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, the book of Song of Solomon. Job's also consider, considered a wisdom book. So the Bible has got these books dedicated to wisdom. I think we've heard the, the famous, if you haven't heard the story, it, the, there's this description of this wisdom of Solomon. And before that, there's this experience that demonstrates how wise Solomon is. So there's this story um, of, in that time where, uh, and it, the, the Bible describes this in 1 Kings chapter 3, that there were two prostitutes that lived in a house together. They, it was just the two of them that lived there. One had had a baby one night, and a couple of nights later, the other one had a baby. So they both had babies around the same time. And in the middle of the night with one of the women, one of the babies died. And one of the, the women who found that her baby had died went in the middle of the night and swapped the baby and got the living baby of the other woman and brought her to her bed and put the dead baby in the other woman's bed. And then they woke up in the morning and the woman with the, the dead baby said, this isn't my baby, you have my baby. And then there's a fight, there's an argument. Who's the real mom? Whose baby is whose? And so this case comes before Solomon. And Solomon hears the case and hears the arguments. And then he says this. He says, here's how we're going to settle this. He tells someone in his group there, go get a sword, and we're going to kill the baby, cut the baby in half, and give you each half, which is a, a morbid thought, isn't it? And all of a sudden, the, the true mom spoke up and said, no, 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 at least uh, let the baby live. Give the baby to her. And the other woman seemed a little bit more indifferent, like, oh, okay, if this is your choice. And the king recognized in that demonstration and that, in that process who the real mother was. The real mother was the one who said, I'd rather be without and see my son live than not see my son or my baby live at all. So this is this story of great wisdom. And this is a story that's repeated and heard from generations to generations is recorded for us. I love that this picture of wisdom that we see in Solomon, there's this order to wisdom. There's this order to wisdom. Solomon had this understanding that love was greater. He had to figure out a way to bring love out. How do we find out who really loves this baby? That's really what he had to uncover in his decision. How do I find out where the real love is? And the real love was, I would rather this go on without me than not go on at all. I've had, how about you in your life at times? I think that's a good measure for how much we love. Think about that in your own life, how much you love something, how much you love someone, how much you love. Would you rather it go on without you 
Or are you indifferent about whether something dies? Interesting. So in Matthew 12, the, the people of the time are challenging Jesus and they're like, show us a sign. And he goes through and says, well, I'll show you the sign of Jonah. And, and then he, in verse 42 of Matthew 12 says this, and he's talking about the last days. And he says, the queen of the South will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. She was one of those people that we were reading about who came from the ends of the earth to hear and listen to Solomon. And Jesus says, and now something greater than Solomon is here. Jesus is here. This preeminence of who Jesus is. Jesus is establishing and being established to the people of that time as someone greater than Solomon. When we look at wisdom in the New Testament, we look at, and, and I, as I mentioned in the Old Testament, there's books of wisdom in here. There's books and books, and it's so good. At times, it can be a little bit confusing. It can be a little bit like um, it's describing what is. But it's amazing, the richness of the wisdom that we find in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, the book of James is oftentimes considered the Proverbs of the New Testament. If you've ever wrestled with the book of James or wondered, like, this is a weird little book. The book of James is meant to be almost a counterpart to Matthew and brings out a lot of wisdom from a New Testament perspective. Uh, but, the, but there's two, typically two main words used in the New Testament in the Greek for wisdom. One is Sophia which is wisdom that's a noun, wisdom that is like uh, intelligence. Um, it has to do with really grasping these universal truths. Sophia, understanding um, both the wisdom that belongs uh, in the studies of science and math and those kinds of things, as well as the wisdom that belongs to God. This wisdom that's of Christ. The second one uh, is pronounced phronomos, or there's, there's different conjugations of this, but it's an adjective. So the first one is a noun. It, it is wisdom. The other one is an adjective. It's acting wisely. When Jesus tells his parable in Matthew 7, and he says, it's the wise builder who builds on a rock. It's the foolish builder who builds on sand. That word that he's describing about a wise builder He's using the adjective, he's using phronomos, he's using that idea that you're prudent, that you have practical, I call it street knowledge, because the, the equivalent to foolish there is like, you're a moron. Moros is the Greek word there. It's kind of like, hey, do you want to be like street smart? Do you want to build on a rock or build on a sand? Because one is really prudent and wise, and the other one is dull, uh, is moronic, is part of where that word comes from. So we have this idea of wisdom in the New Testament. And, and Jesus actually spoke a fair amount about, he, he, he spoke in Matthew 25 about the wise virgins and the foolish virgins waiting with uh, oil in their lamps or no oil in their lamps. Again, it was that phronomos, that adjective. But we see in the New Testament, and, and what I love and about uh, these different passages about wisdom is that there's a constant plea to ask, to ask, to ask. As a dad, um, 
I don't know about you, but uh, I, or if you've ever spent any time with little kids, you know that all they love to ask. They're always asking, like, and, and it's asking why this, why that, can I have this? You know, it's, it's, it's a little bit like you preempt it when you go into a store. You're like, okay, I know you're going to ask for five things when we go in the store. We're not getting you anything when we go in this store. But I know you're going to ask anyway, right? There's just lots of asking. Um, I, Lance Loveday's not here, but um, I was going to talk about Dumb and Dumber. So you'll have to tell him, Leslie, that I, um, a very quotable yet very dumb movie called Dumb and Dumber. Um, one of the, the punchlines of that uh, phrase I like uh, in that movie is the real nerdy dude, Jim Carrey, is uh, uh, trying to ask out this really beautiful woman. And he goes up to her and he's like, you know, would, is, there, is there a chance that you would want to go out with me? And she's like, man, one in a million. And you have this pause and he turns around and he's like, you're saying there's a chance. And I don't know, but I'm, I feel like that's become a common phrase now uh, in society from that great prolific movie, Dumb and Dumber. You're saying there's a chance. But he asked, He's, he went out on a limb and asked. And I, and I love um, God's heart. I believe God's heart for us is to ask like kids ask. He says, it's the children that theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Man, there's something in kids that just want to ask and ask and ask and ask. And you know what? Man, God wants us to be that way with him. Solomon, I was telling you about it in 1 Kings 3, when he became king, God came to him in 1 Kings 3, 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream and asked, ask whatever you want me to give you. Man, isn't that a great, God's coming to him saying, ask me, ask me. And, and, and Solomon goes on to say, now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. That's where I am, but I'm only a child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you've chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? I love that that's Solomon's heart. God's like, ask me, what do you want? Ask me, ask me, ask me. And he's like, man, I'm in way over my head. Wisdom is knowing when you're in over your head, right? If you don't know you're in over your head, you don't know you're in over your head. You can write, write that down. That was really good, right? <laughs> yeah, you've measured the river with both feet. He asked for wisdom. In the New Testament, James writes this in James 1.5. He says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. Let's pause there. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. And that's for us today. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He's not stingy. He's not withholding. He wants to release wisdom to us. He will not rebuke you for asking. Man, I need to learn that one. Why are you asking me this again? But when you ask him, be sure that your faith 
is in God alone. Do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. He wants us to ask. He wants us to see him as this generous God, know him as this generous God. And he's not, you know, I, I sometimes read this and it's like, man, um, does that mean we can't have doubts? Does that mean we can't question? Does that mean, no, that's not what he's saying here. He, he's saying, ask and believe in me. Have faith in me. So ask with faith in him, not, not faith that you have all the answers or that you have doubts. You, you saw it in the New Testament. You saw it with people around Jesus. They're like, Lord, help my unbelief. Help me. But they were still coming to Jesus with their unbelief. The Lord is going to be generous. Ask. You know, it's vulnerable to ask. I think as we grow in life, we shift from asking to telling right? We shift from asking to telling. We shift from not having the answers. And then the Lord meets us and gives us wisdom and gives us wisdom and gives us wisdom. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, we got this. Now we can tell everybody else how it is. And we stop asking. I think at times, uh, I know, in, in fact, the Lord said this about the people in the Old Testament. He said they had to teach each generation how to war. So when the people of Israel came into the promised land, they got a part of it, but they didn't get all of it because the next generations needed to learn how to take territory. You know, from generation to generation, we can think that we've answered all the questions. And now for our kids, as they grow in faith, it's really about us telling them what it is and not teaching them how to ask the Lord for wisdom, not teaching them how to come to a generous God who's going to give them wisdom, not teaching our kids how to come to faith. Man, I've had a lot of conversations. We've had a lot of conversations with our kids where it's both, I hope, us imparting wisdom to them and us imparting this idea of, I don't know. We wonder. We're holding these things Look at how do you read the scripture? How do you consider it? How do we teach our kids how to ask good questions? It's vulnerable. It's risky. What if you ask? So oftentimes we don't ask, we assume, right? So in relationships with one another, we assume things. Man, I've gotten a lot of emails where people assume things about me. Well, I know you speak this way. I know, I know you think this way. I know you have this. Never ask, never ask, just assume. I won't, you, you, you've heard the phrase what assume means, right? The risks of assuming. Ask me afterwards, I won't tell you. <laughs> it's not good to assume, it's good to ask. With one another, let's not assume. Let's ask. In your relationships, let's not assume. Let's ask. Let's understand. Let's be vulnerable. Let's take risks. It takes risk to ask somebody, I think I want to ask this person to marry me, and I'm not sure they know it's coming. Whoa, that's risky. Ask. 
In Luke 11, Jesus says this, and, and, and Matthew records it. But this idea here in Luke 11, 9, Jesus says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, for everyone who asks, receives. One who seeks, finds. And the, to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. We'll keep going to the next verse. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Man, I, I think Jesus loves the ask. Religion does not like the ask. Don't ask those questions. Stop asking those questions. These questions are taboo. These questions aren't allowed. Don't ask these questions. And Jesus is like, ask. Ask and it will be given. He doesn't say that we are always going to ask rightly. And we're going to read a little bit here in James about ways in which we can ask incorrectly. <laughs> Things that, uh, and I don't know about you guys, but when your kids ask for stuff, you're like, Sure, I'll give you a, a fifth helping of ice cream at 11 at night. Sure, I'll do that, right? But they keep asking. What I like here is that, is that Jesus turns this asking and he says, you ask, and what, 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 what parent isn't going to give good gifts, gifts to their kids? And he says, but if you ask, how much more will our father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I said before, wisdom is a relationship. Wisdom is a person. And Jesus was so strong on this. You know, Jesus lived in a finite time. He lived for 33 years, 2,000 years ago in a distinct region. He didn't get on an airplane. He didn't travel around. He didn't go. He could only impact the people that he was around at that time. And he told his disciples, he's like, when I leave, the Holy Spirit's going to come. So I want to give you a couple of scriptures that Jesus spoke about what the Holy Spirit would do for us. And how that ties back into wisdom. So John 14, Jesus says this. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Wisdom is a person. All this I've spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And we have this advocate the word advocate is translated, it's like parakletus is the Greek word, but, but the way to think about this word, uh, it's got multiple meanings to it. One meaning is like you have your own defense attorney. That's what an advocate is. One call, that's all, you know, you got your own defense attorney. Um, but other, tra other translations of that word are you have a comforter, an encourager, a counselor, Think about that comforting, encouraging, counseling, defense attorney. Man, 
the Holy Spirit, the Lord has not left us as orphans. We have the words of Jesus. We have the understanding of Jesus. We have the words of wisdom from the Lord. We have all of these things. And I recommend we read them all. We've got to read them all and understand. And it's asking the, and we have, and, and, and more importantly, the Holy Spirit, our defender, our counselor, our comforter, our encourager helps us understand this. It's like, Sarah being my advocate and me reading this with Sarah, you like my coffee stains on my Bible. And, and we're just reading this and together going over this with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Give me your wisdom. Speak to me. But the Lord has given us, has not left us as orphans. He's given us an advocate. The wisdom of the Lord is in the advocate of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with us, walking with us to encourage us, comfort us, counsel us, defend us, walk with us, helping us to distinguish right from wrong. One more passage on that. In John 15, Jesus says this. Oh, sorry, John 16. Jesus says this. There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. Oftentimes, you, you, the, these, these letters and these recordings of Jesus' words, the disciples oftentimes only understood later. They heard all these teachings of Jesus, and then as they, and Jesus ascends and goes away, and they're walking with the Holy Spirit, then all of a sudden, it all starts coming back. If they start remembering it. There's so much more he wants to tell us, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, the advocate, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory. He will bring Jesus glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. And the Holy Spirit is for us, is with us. It's how the Lord is generous with us. He wants us to ask and ask and ask. And the Lord has not just given us words. He's given us words and he's given us the relationship and the person of the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about this in all of 1 Corinthians 2. There's a lot in 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 about wisdom and Greek wisdom and foolishness and all those kinds of things. But he sums it up that for those who walk by the Spirit, for those who live by the Spirit, we have the mind of Christ. That's how he sums up the end of 1 Corinthians 2. We have the mind of Christ. The Lord is generous with wisdom. The Lord wants us to ask and ask and ask and ask. He's not afraid of our questions. The Lord's given us the Holy Spirit as an advocate to walk with us. And the Lord is working in us and wants to work in us the mind of Christ. We don't intuitively have that mind of Christ. We need the Holy Spirit in us to work out the mind of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, one of the gifts of the Spirit, the first gift of the Holy Spirit listed in 1 Corinthians 12, 7 is this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. A message of Sophia is that word. A message of wisdom. And he goes on to say to another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit wants us with one another to walk in words of wisdom. The Holy Spirit, oftentimes, I don't know about you, in times of praying for people or talking with people, the Holy Spirit will just give you wisdom. Ask the Holy Spirit to do that. I do that all the time when I'm, I, I do it, I did it a lot in work. In my work time, I'd be like, Lord, I need a message of wisdom here because I don't know how to navigate this. Seems like I'm at a dead end, uh, no way out. Lord, you've got to make a way. Give me a word of wisdom. When you're meeting with friends and you're talking about challenges at work or with kids or wherever it is, Holy Spirit, give me a message of wisdom. The Holy Spirit has given these gifts so that we can be wise people. So James, I read, says, if you lack wisdom, ask. God will give it generously. James goes on in chapter three to write a little bit more about wisdom, and he distinguishes wisdom. And so I want to read this in James chapter three. We could go there, Caleb. He says this, who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, reap a harvest of righteousness. Caleb, can, can you leave that up there? Um, James here is differentiating wisdom and the source and the basis of this wisdom. I don't know about you, but I've had wisdom and I, that I thought was wisdom that came out of bitter envy and selfish ambition. It's wisdom that came out of self-promotion. It's wisdom that was like, man, if I could just do this, this, and this, and this, then this would happen. And then God, I could give you glory. And man, I would look good in the process too. Man, that would be awesome. We can walk in, a, in an earthly wisdom, a demonic wisdom, it even says there, when the roots are in bitter envy and when they're in selfish ambition. And you know what? Sometimes we read those words and we're like, oh yeah, those are really strong words. Like, I don't think I've ever walked in bitter envy and selfish ambition. I have. I have. I want wisdom that comes from heaven that's first pure. Is my wisdom, this is a good judge for us because you know what? We've got the Holy Spirit. We've got the Bible. And, and you know what? We've also got demonic forces talking to us. We also have our own sin nature. We also have all these things going on. And it's like, how do we judge the wisdom of the Lord? Is it pure? Is it peace, loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere? Jesus, when he was talking about leaving the Holy Spirit, he says, my peace, I give you, my peace, I leave you. He was talking about peace. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Lord, 
you say you give us wisdom. We just have to ask. And sometimes I ask for wisdom that is rooted in the wrong stuff. It's rooted in the wrong place. And I love the faithfulness of the Lord to expose that, to expose it. In that first verse, it says um, that wisdom that um, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. There's a humility in wisdom. In fact, James goes on to say in James chapter four. So James chapter three ends right here in verse 18. And James chapter four goes on to say, what's causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires that were within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. I think that word kill, we kind of automatically go, man, I've never killed somebody. I'm good. I think it can be killing a relationship. I think it can be killing a business. Man, um, you know, if that business can't succeed without me, then I want it to die. That's, that's what I want to have happen. If I'm not there to help it succeed, then I want it to die without me. I'm going to kill it. You want what you don't have. Uh, you're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You don't ha have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. I think that's like the pop out for me from this passage. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Paul goes on to say, or, or James goes on to say, he keeps writing and says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In wisdom, there's a humility in wisdom. And, and James is counteracting and he's describing this, this wisdom that's from heaven, this wisdom that the, the Holy Spirit wants us to walk in. And this other wisdom, this earthly wisdom, this demonic wisdom that we want for ourselves, our motives our desires, wrong motives. And the Lord's saying, yeah, you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. Ask God. He's a generous father. Ask. And he's going to weigh out these motives. We're, we're like at times those two women that came before Solomon and they're like, you know, who, whose baby is this? And the Lord wants to speak love. He wants to uncover love. He wants to uncover our hearts. He wants to uncover wisdom. He wants that wisdom in us to be pure. So for us today, I want to conclude, but I want us to think about this idea of asking the Lord for wisdom, coming in humility, asking like a child, asking in a risky way, asking. And the Lord wants to be generous to us and he wants to give us the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that is a, is a dangerous, but a great prayer is Holy Spirit, show me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, I wanna walk with you. Holy Spirit, I need your guidance. Holy Spirit, I need your wisdom. Asking people, pray with me. Give me wisdom here. Give me words of wisdom. Not words that I want to affirm my agenda for my selfish ambition. 
Lord, give me pure words. What is it that you're saying? Give me a humility. So if you would, if you could stand with me, I want to read Proverbs 9. In Proverbs, they talk a lot about wisdom. And it's common to hear this phrase, and you see it in the, in the, in the Bible, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you're a mocker, you alone will suffer. This idea of the fear of the Lord, we read that phrase and we go, oh man, what does that mean? Am I supposed to be afraid of you, Lord? I want you to think about the word humility in the context of the fear of the Lord. Humility is understanding who we are and who God is and what the difference is. And when we walk in humility, we walk in the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. That's, that's that the beginning part for us is the beginning of wisdom. Let's say partnering with the Holy Spirit, asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us. One of the, the, the songs we sang in worship today, and I loved worship this morning because it was, it was different, right? Uh, Jesus said, wisdom is known by all of its children. I don't know. Sometimes we were like, man, I like worship this way. I like worship that way. I like worship that way. You know what? We need to do it all. We need to do it all because wisdom is known by all of its children. And I appreciated how we did worship a little different today. There's a wisdom, there's a, there's a breadth, there's a scope in which we understand God more fully. And in our worship, we said, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. And man, if, if we were to come back to this place of wisdom, come back to this place of what does it mean to fix our eyes on Jesus? We're fixing our eyes on a God who is longing for us to ask man, just ask. And, and he wants to say yes way more than he wants to say no. And I love when my kids ask and ask, and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. God wants to give generously. God also wants to give us the partnership, that advocate, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit wants to be active in our lives, giving us words of wisdom, words of knowledge, words of life, words of healing. There's, there's lots of different gifts that get manifest in the Holy Spirit. And through us, we become counselors, comforters, encouragers to one another as the Holy Spirit is working in us. So I just want to pray this morning, and I want us to pray both a repentant prayer as well as an asking prayer. And I want us to just ask the Lord. He's like, ask me, ask me. I want to give generously. So Lord, we come to you this morning. We come to you this morning and we say, you're God, we're not. And that's this place of us. That's the beginning place of our wisdom. We humble ourselves and we say, Lord, forgive me for my bitter envy and my selfish ambition, and my wrong motives. Forgive me for doubting and lack of faith. Lord, you know all of those things, and you call me to come ask. So thank you, Lord, that you forgive me, and you want to give me pure wisdom. You want to give me the Holy Spirit, the advocate, to walk with me. So we just put out our hands in a symbol and a sign to you, Holy Spirit, 
We're asking you to lead us, to encourage us, to direct us, to remind us of all the things that Jesus says, to show us how to show up in the world. How can we love our neighbors? How can we love our enemies? How can we raise our children? How can we care for the people around us? We need your wisdom. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we want to walk with you. We want to be in step with you. Thank you that you release wisdom to us. So we just receive you today, Holy Spirit. We receive everything that you have for us. We pray that you would make us wise. In Jesus' name, amen.